Thanks everyone for joining us today. I'm Keith Carlson, Marketing Campaign Specialist at ISACA, and joining me today is special guest, Director of Operations for Talatech, Johan Detweiler. Thank you for joining me today, Johan. Hey, Keith, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Well, it's great to have you. Uh, let's introduce you to our audience. So first off, can you tell me a bit, a bit of your background, you know, where you came from, educational path, and what you do now professionally? Absolutely. And yeah, so uh, as you said, my name is Johan Detweiler. I am the Director of Operations for Talatech, a Cerberus Sentinel company. Um, and I've been doing this IT security thing since about uh, 2012. Talatech, we are an IT security risk management company. So we specialize in doing security assessments, security audits. And, and that's really been my main focus for going on just about 10 years now. Um, interestingly enough, I don't have really a, an IT security background regarding my education. I actually went to school at this small school at the time in Orlando, Florida called Full Sail University. And they really were kind it. of, a, yeah, that place is awesome, man. But at, at the time, they were really kind of not known. They were, they were a small startup and they had this really unique kind of hands-on technical training methodology and their whole advertisement at the time was that you could, you know, accelerate your, your path and get a two-year degree in 13 months on a 24-hour schedule. So it was this really cool kind of experimental thing at the time. And I got my degree in recording arts. Um, I was uh, somebody that kind of always wanted to be a rock star as a kid, but I had really no capability when it came to music. So I was like, well, at least if I do this, I could be around rock stars. And so it was really cool. I went to school for that. Um, I also, uh, prior to that, got a two-year degree in business administration from my uh, local community college. But all that really taught me was that I have like no business acumen whatsoever. I'm there with you. I'm right there <laughs> was, with you. Yeah. I was like, all right, that's not going to work. So uh, yeah, so I went down to Full Sail, got my uh, degree in recording arts. And then strangely enough, you know, my my desire to be around rock stars and record music actually panned out into me working for an audiobook company. And so I actually did that for about eight years prior to getting into the IT security world. A little, little birdie told me that it's over 400 books. Is that right? It's yeah, I think it's like 426 or something That's like crazy. that, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it was cool too, because they were um they were audiobooks that had full soundtracks and scores, and then every character was acted out by a different actor. So it was oh. really cool. It was a it was like a huge production, and you know, you would do basically like a, a full movie uh foley and sound design, and then you would write all the music and everything too. So while I didn't get to be a rock star, I did get to, you know, play with all the virtual instruments and write these really cool scores and stuff and and uh and you know i got to work with the authors directly in a lot of books and things like that so that was really a lot of fun and that actually strangely enough led me into my it security career only through a friend of mine i had a friend who was at the time working a contract at the fda where it was a you know a, a security contract where they were performing security audits and we had been friends for a long time and he knew what I did and he knew, uh, you know, my audiobooks and, and my claim to fame was that I would never, ever miss a deadline, man. Like I always made my deadline. I would work 24 hours a day through the weekend, everything like that. But I always delivered on time. And he was like, man, I need that in the IT security world. I need somebody like that on my team that can come in and, and meet these assessment dates and get the team on track. And he's like. I know you don't know anything about security. 
you barely know how to turn a computer on, but I'll teach you that if you come in and manage my team and, and kind of bring that work ethic to the team. And so that's really where my IT security uh, journey to started. So that was in, I think, 2012. And then that's what I've been doing ever since. So I'm going to rewind just a bit, because first I want to hit on the, the music aspect of things. So <laughs> yeah. um, obviously being a fan of, of, of music myself, um, what are some of your favorite bands, some of your favorite artists? Because I noticed that, you know, you mentioned that you were from or currently living in Virginia. So one of my favorite artists, Dave Grohl, is kind of from Virginia, big Foo Fighters fan. So I was curious, what's your favorite music? Dude, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I love Dave Grohl. Uh, so I am an old school 80s thrash kid man. okay so metallica right. metallica has always been my number one favorite band um but luckily like you said the the virginia connection i get to say i also love lamb of god from the richmond area right down the street from me yep. um it's so cool yep. to watch them so they'll we have a, a big uh, music venue around here called uh, jiffy lube live you know just one of those big outdoor right. pavilions yep. And it is amazing. Every time Lamb of God comes, even if they're the opening act, the entire show is there to see them, man. And like, yeah. it is just this awesome party. They put on an amazing show. I almost feel bad for whatever band they're playing for next because like, All that, right. you, just, you can't meet it, man. Um, but yeah, so I, I've always been uh, that that thrash uh, kind of really hard metal has been my my go-to. Yeah, I grew up on the a lot of the the early '90s alternative stuff, so I too I could relate to like the you know Foo Fighters, but the Nirvanas, the Pearl Jams, and all them. So, was you know, so I just learned I didn't know that Dave Grohl was from this area. I always just assumed Seattle. he was from Seattle. Yeah, yeah, everyone <laughs> just assumes that he was from Seattle because right because everyone from that you know the the grunge aspect of things is like just from Seattle. But no, originally grew up in in Virginia, kind of moved out there, moved back, and uh, yeah, they recorded a bunch of things in Virginia, but. Uh, yeah, it was just interesting because I know that you have a love for a passion for music, as do I. So I had a feeling that our tastes were going to be uh, very similar. So do you do you uh, play instruments or produce? I, or see, I of course, naturally, I don't. But my dad does. My dad had a band when he grew up. All his friends do. So they really got me into music. You know, he's just classic rock, you know, 1960s rock and roll, Beatles, Beach Boys, all that stuff, That's Stones. Cool. So as a little kid, he got me into it. And then I kind of went out on my own and started listening to Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Wasn't quite his taste, but um, yeah. And kind of still following all those all those bands, you know, Foo Fighters, Pearl Jam, all still to this day, so. That's awesome, yeah. man, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm the same way, man. I, uh, uh, my brother, I remember when he bought Master of Puppets, man. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit after it came out, but I remember hearing uh, Disposable Heroes off of that album. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard ever. You're I, you know, like, You're I worship these guys, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not easy finding people that you have, you know, musical, you know, similarities in the same case. And so, yeah, glad to hear it. Awesome. Well, and then, uh, you know, obviously Alice in Chains and, and uh -huh. that whole night, you know, that was so I, I was born in 83. So, you know, like okay, I'm 85. So, oh, there you go, man. Yeah. So yeah. like Metallica had kind of had their heyday uh -huh. by the time I was really in music. Um, so I kind of I, I went back and, and learned to love them. But man, like Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, all those bands were coming out. You know, that was when I was listening to music is when right. they obviously Nirvana. Um, so, yeah, they'll always have a special place in my you heart. Still, you still get out to a lot of shows or you try and get there? I, I try to as much as possible. During your limited honestly. free time? Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing, man, yeah. trying to get some of that free time. And then also, I've, 
I like I don't like doing the big shows anymore. I really like going to those small venues in uh, in this area. We have a place in Silver Spring called the Fillmore, and it is like one of those old school. It's only I think max capacity like a thousand people. Um, it's one of those ones that's like right off the main street in Silver Spring. Super easy to get to. Tickets are like thirty five bucks. Um, just like you know those old school. We also had the nine thirty club back in the day. That was uh, I was awesome in this area. So I really like. Like going to those shows you know yeah i, I yeah. wish i could see my my favorite bands in those type of venues but um, i know it's yeah. funny because you could have seen them like right when they were up and coming when they were smaller playing those venues right like i see now some of the smaller venues that my favorite bands played i can't believe they played at some of these venues that have like six seven hundred people like you know, <laughs> exactly. i'm thinking like there's a place in chicago the aragon where i was able to see like stone temple pilots in offspring and it was only, still only like a thousand two thousand people but like Foo Fighters now, like they play like Lollapalooza. I'm like, I don't want to go with 80, 90,000 people. In the, yeah, I mean, so with Metallica, they're playing in Pittsburgh this weekend. And they played Lola this year. They headlined. Yeah, well, I'm yeah, like, I'm that's not, right. They, which I, yeah. I was, I didn't even know about. And then my wife was like, "Hey, man, I just listened to Metallica on the radio. They're they're headlining <laughs> yeah. Lollapalooza." I was like, "What? That's amazing!" But uh, they're they're playing in uh, Pittsburgh uh, this coming weekend. And that's the thing is, like, you know, I was looking, and it's they're playing the baseball stadium. It's like tickets are three hundred dollars a pop. And it's just I like, know. man, I I want to see them in that small club. And you know, that's been the coolest thing uh, with Alice and Chains kind of having their their rebirth is I got the opportunity to see them in some small venues, and that was really cool. See now they're, they're they're touring again, like they're coming out to Illinois uh, next month. So I have that date circled. Yes, that's so, awesome, man. That's right. <laughs> so I'm gonna try and see them. But have you seen them with their their new singer? No, no, dude. He is amazing, man. Yeah, I'm and looking forward not, to it. Not, like I've never me, seen but, him before, so this will be my oh, first time. Dude, you get you're gonna love him, man. They're yeah. incredible, and Jerry is just the man. I mean, he's yeah, so yeah. good. Forward to it. Okay, so just getting us back on track a little bit here. So you mentioned that your degree was in um, the recording arts. So that in and of itself seems like a a long jump to IT, you know, security compliance. So, so what made you make that jump? How did you get that start? Yeah, again, it was just kind of at the time, you know, like I said, I had that friend that really was was interested in bringing me on and, you know, from a, a career trajectory. So this was 2012, 2011, when he kind of started talking to me about it. Um, you know, I love doing the audiobook stuff, but I just felt like there was a cap on that market. You know, eventually I, I was only going to be able to grow so far, I think. And and I, I love them and I, I still support that company. But I, I really felt like, you know, looking at the the upwards trajectory of IT security, um, I was just like, man, if I can get into this now, I think, you know, this will be a career opportunity for as long as I want in the future. And and that has definitely played out. I mean, right now, there is such a dearth of, of hiring good people in this industry that I, I'm so happy that I got involved when I did in 2012. So yeah, that was that was the thing is, you know, he, he wanted me to come on board, but he explained to me, he's like, look, man, I, I'm getting you because I want you to manage the team, but you're going to have to learn this stuff. And and he basically set me on a learning path. And he said, this is what I need you to do. And he laid out, I want you to get Network Plus, Security Plus, and your CISSP and your PMP. 
he laid those out. He said, that's going to be your easiest trajectory. And that's going to be kind of teaching you everything that you need to know. And then he would kind of sit down with me. We had kind of this meeting time on Mondays where he would sit aside and teach me about the specifics of the contract I was working on. But, you know, in those meetings, he would say, have you been studying? Let's talk about what you've learned. Let's go through it. And I mean, he really served as a great mentor. It was, uh, it was, it was really, I was very fortunate to have him. But in that process, I ended up obtaining all four of those certifications in, I think it was about a 16 month period. So it was, I mean, it was crazy, man. It was study, 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 read the books, take one test, don't stop. You know, next, next week you pick up and you, you, you start the next certification. For those of listeners that are kind of unfamiliar with the timeline, what is the general timeline for completing all those four? So you did it in 16 months. So a really expedited process. What would be the normal timeline for someone that may not be able to do it in 16 months? Well, I mean, you know, I, I've, obviously everyone's different. I don't I don't think there's a normal timeline, but I, I don't think it's strange for somebody studying for maybe their CISSP. I would say probably eight months to a year is probably, you know, what you would take for those type of certifications, sometimes a year and a half. Um, for those that aren't super familiar, the CISSP is sort of like the benchmark IT security certification. Um, it, it, the, the common uh, kind of way that it's referred to is that it's a, a mile wide inch deep. It covers tons of security topics. It doesn't necessarily go to a lot of scope and breadth on every topic, but um, it, it gives you a really solid basis for kind of understanding all of the topics, all of the concepts, you know, and, and just kind of getting a really good grasp on security. So um, it's it's large. I mean, anyone that's seen the study books, I think they're like 1400 pages long, you know, just this really, really dense. Um, the Intimidating. Test, yeah, exactly. Yes. I think the test itself is like 250 questions or something like that. You have four hours to take it. So it's a, it's, it's a big thing. And I mean, I've definitely seen people study for a year, sometimes a year and a half. They'll take kind of in-person learning. They'll read the books. They'll do all the practice this test. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm special or anything like that. It was more just, I had a guy that was, that was really keeping me on track and saying, you know, if you want to do this, this is what you need to do. And was that the, the drive to complete things in such a, you know, an expedited fashion? Was it just wanting to get it under your belt? Was it just, just surely just drive or was it that mentorship? Well, it, it was the mentorship, but it was also I was I was working as I was doing it, right? So I was starting to perform security assessments within a couple months of of taking over IT security. So it was wanting to understand what I was doing, right? Because I didn't want to 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 go in and be this totally green person and I'm performing an assessment and I'm just reading out of a book and not knowing what I was talking about. I wanted to, you know, just like I understood how to do audiobooks, I wanted to have that understanding in security. And so, you know, that's why I was diving into all those topics is trying to understand, okay, when I'm testing the SC control family that's about encryption, well, what does encryption mean? Like, wh what is encryption? Why am I doing this? Why am I testing for a certain level of encryption versus one? And so I wanted to have that understanding. So that really drove me to, to wanting to, to read those and, and get that understanding. And I tell you what, the, the, one of the kind of underlooked uh, security certifications is that network plus certification, because that gave me an understanding of what a network is really, because I had been doing network stuff for uh, for my company, the audiobook company, I'd been building and controlling their network. But, 
you know, I didn't really understand the principles behind it. I was just kind of, you know, Googling and, and trying to make stuff work. But reading that really gave me an understanding of the ideas behind creating subnets, having public facing components, having, uh, you know, security enclaves and things like that. So um, I think it's an overlooked uh, uh, certification, but it is really, really beneficial to get a good ground understanding. Yep. So where in this process did you realize, you know what, IT is for me. This is a career path. This is going to be my future. Was it something that you learned over time? Was it something that you thought about initially before even getting into the field? Or, or did it take a few months, years to say, you know what, I'm comfortable with this. I want this to be my career. I'm happy here. I, I think it, it took a while, honestly. It, it took, a, 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 you know, a year plus. It, it took me getting those certifications. One, because it was a lot of work and I didn't yeah, want to waste yeah. that, you know, <laughs> was, uh, but it was also as I became kind of more knowledgeable about security, I really started to realize that I was able to help the clients that I was working with. You know, when I was doing an assessment, assessments are obnoxious because I come in and I'm basically the bad guy. I come in, I look at your network and I'm like, this is all the things you're doing wrong. You know, you don't really get a pat on the back for everything you're doing right. You get a list of everything that's wrong. Right. And so that kind of sucks. Um, it's like being audited by the IRS. Right. You know, no one really wants it to happen. What I really started to see was how much that I was able to help these people, because, you know, I looked at it as I'm giving you a list of, of negative things. This is everything you did wrong. But luckily, I had a few clients, especially towards that year 18 month mark. Um, I got this this really specific client that was brand new. Um, they were coming on. They were developing sort of a, an experimental type of system. And they really valued when I came in and gave them those lists of findings and those lists of faults, because it was things that they hadn't thought of or they didn't know how to do themselves. And I really started to see, you know, what value I was bringing to them by showing them this and by having the knowledge of this is why it needs to be done this way. And that's where I really started to kind of see that this was going to be a, a path for me is that. I can translate this complex information and make it beneficial for my clients and really help them out. And that, that was kind of cool. Of all the things that you do working with all the different clients and companies, what is the most, your favorite part of the job and also in the same vein, the most rewarding part of the job? Explaining complex concepts to people that might not have the knowledge base to understand it. That, that I think is probably my biggest strength as well, because I came to security not knowing anything about computers, not really knowing anything about security. So the ability for me to kind of, you know, work with my team of really, really technical folks. I mean, we have guys that, you know, are some of the best developers in the world that can, you know, basically speak in Java code, right? And um, they can look at an AWS architecture and get down to the minutia of where FIPS validated components are functioning properly and things like that. But one of the values that I bring is, okay, I have this really technical team. They bring me a list of findings. They bring me a list of faults. Um, explaining to the customer in a way that they can understand it, why it's important for them to address this. What are the potential things that could happen if they don't address it? Um, where should you expend resources to get the most bang for your buck? I really think that's something that I kind of excel at because I'm always approaching it from that non-technical background. And I kind of have to understand it in a non-technical way myself. So it, being able to explain to them has been very, very rewarding for me. So you mentioned that um, you often are sometimes the, the bearer of bad news, right? That there's a lot of, there's a lot of 
hate or negativity when it comes to just telling them what's wrong with their systems. Of course, I, of course, I say that tongue in cheek. But what is the one thing that you wished that everyone knew about being uh, an IT security compliance professional that would change um, that feeling from hate to love? What do they need to understand? <laughs> so they need to understand, and are you know, what I wish everyone would understand is that. IT security is is not going anywhere. It's going to become more stringent. It's going to be there. There's going to be more and more requirements. And that's playing out in real time right now. Of course, you know. I mean, we're Everywhere. seeing this major push with the CMMC program, which, for those that aren't familiar, basically every DoD vendor, um, and there are about three hundred and fifty thousand of them, are going to have to seek a, a, a basically a, a level of accreditation through this compliance framework. Um, because the DOD is now understanding how important it is for not only them to secure their systems, but their vendors and their supply chain to secure their systems. Because, you know, a lot of the sort of nefarious actors have understood, why do I need to attack the biggest and most secure point of the network when I could attack the, the third or fourth vendor in the chain that isn't really doing much to secure the exact data that I'm after anyways. That's the thing is, is I really need all of these people to understand that IT security is not going anywhere. And it's going to be something that you have to budget for. It's, it's going to be a line item that you have to include when you think about developing a system. So, you know, I think, I think in the previous years, everything was always kind of focused on the services. What is the system providing? What revolutionary thing can this system do? And that's what we're going to do. And security was always just kind of tacked on. I don't think that's going to be able to happen anymore. I think security is going to have to be budgeted just as much as whatever it is the system is going to do, whatever the service is going to do. So if you have a development team of 10 people, you're going to need to have a line item budget for a security team of two or three or five people, you know, because you're going to have some sort of compliance framework that you're going to have to align yourself with. You know, for so long with with the the government, you know, it's it's been laid out with FISMA and FedRAMP and things like that. But now what we're starting to see is all of these commercial entities are adopting that and they're telling, you know, their contractors, hey, are you FedRAMP compliant? Have you met CMMC? Are you ISO certified? Are you anything? You know, we need to see some demonstration of your security. And again, you know, when I come to you with that report and that that list of faults, I'm really trying to do it to, to secure your system. One, to make sure you're, you know, I, I want you to be compliant so you don't lose your contract. But I also want to make sure you're protecting your data because that's your proprietary information, you know? You don't want that getting out because there are some nefarious actors out there. Sure are, yep. So for those individuals that are looking to become an IT security compliance professional or a director of operations, such as yourself, what is like, if you had to identify the most crucial uh, traits someone would need, what would that be? And, or if it's, you know, three crucial traits, just the most important ones for someone wanting to get into that field or some, doing something that's similar to what you're doing. I think one of the most crucial things is, is you have to be detail oriented and organized. Um, you, you know, sometimes you do just have to read that thousand page document. Sometimes you do have to write that hundred page policy document. You have to understand that 
there is a lot to security and there's many facets of it and you do have to address all the facets if you only address one portion you haven't done your job your job is to look at everything holistically and come up with a plan and and the thing is is you need to make people understand again what is the most important thing to do where is the roadmap because if you just say you need to be FedRAMP compliant. That is a massive undertaking. And that is too much for most organizations to understand and try to accomplish. So you as a detail-oriented person need to be able to break something down into its smaller parts and really present a roadmap to help your client get to where they need to be. So that's that's really important is that you have to have an understanding. You have to know all of the details and you have to be able to present that. So one thing I quickly wanted to go back to when you talked about the your growing list of certifications and, and how you were able to accomplish all that in, within a year, a year and a half's time really is an, an amazing accomplishment. How did you prepare for those exams? And do you have any like study hacks that you'd be able to share with our audience? <laughs> so one of the things that I have always found to be the most valuable are practice exams. I think those are just hugely underrated as a study tool. So luckily, I'm very much of a kind of self-learner. So I've, I've always been, you know, give me the book, I'll read it, and then I'll adjust it from there. And now I know that doesn't work for everybody. And for some people doing the kind of in-person classes or the online lessons are the way to go. And honestly, I don't think there's- You have a preference? Well, uh, dude, I love Udemy, man. Udemy.com is just amazing. Like it's, and that's relatively new. Like that was not around when I was getting all my base certificate. I really wish it was. <laughs> I use it to this day, just it made life a lot easier. Oh, it's amazing. Right? Yeah. And you know, they have tons of uh, of practice. So when I was when I was doing practice quizzes, it was just out of a book, right? You know, now Udemy, you can take a practice quiz and it functions just like the real test. It will give you the four hour window it will tell you you have to remain at your desk and and it really simulates the uh, the taking of the test which is awesome I, I can't stress how important those practice exams are because every test and, and every institution and organization have kind of a different way of wording questions or presenting the material so you know you might be really knowledgeable in IT security, but you might not be familiar with the way that ISC squared words their questions. Um, and so while you might know the information, you might not be familiar with how it's going to be presented and how you're going to be questioned about it. So knowing the exam by taking those practice tests and being familiar with, all right, I'm going to have to read a paragraph before every question or you know, these questions are going to be more skills based. I actually have to do hands on stuff. Knowing that before you're getting into it is such a critical thing. It helps you uh, organize your time, helps you really prepare. And also, you know, it's just some of the questions end up being similar to some of the questions you're going to see on the real exam. So right. you're being yep. familiar with them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's always a great thing to have. So a couple of career path questions that I'm sure our audience would like to hear. So how have these certifications helped you along in terms of career growth? And how important do you feel that the certifications are on someone's resume? As director of operations, I do a lot of hiring. I think I'm basically in charge of hiring. And, and I can pretty much tell you that I'm only concerned about your certifications. I typically don't even really look at somebody's education section. And that's a personal thing because I know that if somebody looked at my resume, my education section, 
really isn't that impressive. I mean, it's, you know, it's two two-year degrees a long time ago. I like certifications, one, because we are seeing a lot of proposals, both from government and commercial entities, where they're utilizing certifications as sort of the key performance indicators and the key differentiators. So they want to have key personnel that are CISSPs, that have uh, maybe Amazon architecture certifications or things like that. So we're starting to see a lot of contracts and proposals requiring that. Um, but the other thing is those certifications, what I like about them is that they have a continuing education requirement. So, you know, if you got your degree in IT security from a well-known college in the year 2000, any of the topics that you talked about are completely irrelevant. Amazing, right? You know, exactly. But if you have your CISSP, I at least know that every three years you're taking current classes and you take 120 hours of those classes and you're at least doing something to keep yourself current. Um, and so the certifications have been kind of my way to gauge and, and, and at least kind of allow me to sort of sort resumes. You know, when I'm looking at 100 resumes, I'm going to go through and say, well, who has their CISSP? And I'm probably going to reach out to them first. So that's that's sort of my take. And and for anyone that's that's young and wanting to get into IT security, I'm not saying, you know, if you should go to college or not go to college, that's a that's a personal decision. And some people really excel. Some people don't do as well in school. But please also consider the certification path. Make sure that you're getting those industry certifications as well. You know, get your security plus, get your network plus. The, the CISSP has a, a five-year requirement where you're, you're involved in the industry for five years. But, um, you know, you can get your associate CISSP, which demonstrates that you have the knowledge base. So look into those certifications just like you would any of your other education, because I think they're they're just as critical and, and really go a long way uh, for hiring managers like myself. Yep. So one other important thing that I wanted to touch on. So I know another career milestone for massive achievement is that you led the authorization project for two FedAmp cloud-based systems. So I know, so I obviously work in the IT industry, but I'm not a security professional. So can you break this down for me a little bit as it obviously seems like something rather important? Yeah, yeah. So, so a FedRAMP authorization, it is the way that the U.S. government determines your level of security if you have a cloud-based system. So a cloud-based system typically is going to be running on Microsoft Azure, AWS, or, or maybe Google Cloud. Um, so we have a, we've had two systems that run on Amazon Cloud. And in order to sort of demonstrate the security so that we could start selling ourselves to government clients and meeting government proposal requirements, we had to obtain a FedRAMP authorization. So we have a FedRAMP moderate authorization. There are 325 controls. So basically, for those that aren't super familiar, a security control is an area of, of concern when you're trying to implement security for a system. So, you know, you think talk about things like access control, contingency planning. Um, so there are 325 of those. And so you have to create this sort of massive documentation package, uh, starting with a system security plan. Our system security plan is a 700 page document that kind of has to be written. Um, you have to have policy and procedures for each one of those controls, which again, you know, that's about a thousand page document. Um, and then you have to go through an independent assessment and you have to have this assessment conducted by 
an independent third party assessment organization. And that's an organization that our company brings on board, hires to perform an assessment. Um, and they perform an assessment of each of those 325 controls, and they break it down to these individual areas with each control. So ultimately, there ends up being about 1,500 requirements that have to be spoken to. Um, and then they also do this really in-depth penetration test, and they really, really go, you know, they, they test your system hard to make sure that it, it is... Um, able to withstand, you know, kind of the world and the internet as it is today. And so we've uh, been fortunate enough to get two systems through that process. And I tell you, for me, so so Talatech, we are a third party assessment organization ourselves. And so I do a lot of FedRAMP audits. Um, but it was really valuable for me to see the sort of other side of that coin, which is being the, the owner of the system and going through the audit and having an independent auditor come in, you know, and me being enraged when that independent auditor presented me with the list of five <laughs> <laughs> and then having to think, that's what I do. And I'm supposed to be happy about this and thank right. them for finding all of this. Um, but no, it was, it was really interesting to see that from both sides. Um, and I think it gives me kind of a unique perspective in in the industry as well because i think we're the only three payo that's also a csp so it's it's been kind of cool to see it from both sides so doing a lot of work that's obviously very timeline oriented very deadline driven you obviously keep a very busy schedule so what are some of the productivity hacks that you have found beneficial to keep your work and your schedule kind of in line don't procrastinate mm. <laughs> so basically when you get an email that you can answer in five minutes, even though if it takes you out of the certain answer that email, do do things as soon as you possibly can. And then, you know, start your day with a set of goals in mind. So if you're working on four projects at one time, you, you kind of have to have the ability to say, okay, this is what can be done in one day. I'm going to work on this one project and I need to get X, Y, and Z done. Set yourself that goal for the morning and then do that. And again, make sure that while you're doing that, you're not letting too much additional work stack up. Answer those emails, take those phone calls. Don't procrastinate. Don't put things off and say that you'll do them on Friday because Friday comes around and then all of a sudden you have a whole other slate that... of work, a whole other <laughs> slate of problems. Exactly. Always the case, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so as much as possible, I mean, you do kind of have to get used to multitasking. You, you know, you have to kind of set yourself up in that mindset of these are my main tasks, but there are going to be some other tasks that I'm going to take care of and that's okay. And I'm going to do it as soon as they crop up. No, yeah. What are your thoughts on, on just as a leader, divvying up tasks and getting into the weeds on certain projects, right? Because I know that that's always a challenge that even, you know, people like myself are always balancing and other people, I've heard them voice similar concerns. When do you feel the need to get into the weeds on certain projects and then learn to, you know, hand off certain things to the rest of the team? So I'm not going to lie. That, that is the, that is something that I'm working on. And it is my biggest weakness is that I'm Mine too. not good at delineating, man. Um, I am pretty much always in the weeds on everything. <laughs> I'm a hands-on type person. I always like to like to be involved in certain projects so I know exactly what's going on. So I yep. have something to say. Yep, exactly. You know, when I'm, when we're doing a like a security control assessment, I'll typically always make sure that I have, you know, we'll divvy up the controls, but always make sure that I have the biggest amount, right? Like I, I want to make sure that my team understands that I'm not asking them to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. 
you know, and that's honestly, it is something that I, I do need to work on more is the ability to delineate because my team is awesome and they can do the job. It's 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 my insecurities and, and my thing that says that I can't delineate. But, you know, that's that's the thing is that as you sort of start working on more projects and as you grow in the IT security world, you know, so now I'm I'm technically a director, right? And so I'm finding myself kind of being in charge of a lot more projects, right? And so I really can't dive into the weeds on every single one of them. I do have to kind of learn to delineate. And, and I have, I mean, I kind of jokingly say I don't because I, I still dive into the, into the deep on a lot of stuff. But you know, you do have to kind of learn who you work well with. And sometimes there will be people that you don't work well with, but trying to understand them and figuring out the best way to work with them is is very, very important. And ultimately, the other thing with IT security is there is like 50 different ways to skin a cat, man. Just because you do something one way, it's not necessarily right or wrong. And if you're still getting to the same outcome, uh, you know, learning to be okay with the way that other people do things and understanding it is uh, it's hugely important. Thanks for watching part one of my conversation with Johan Detweiler. Click on the link in the description for part two.